Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to ScreenSpeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. My name is Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and as always, I want to thank you today for coming by and giving it a listen. For real. There's so many different options out there for podcasts these days, and many of us, including myself, are busy. And we're purposeful as well as mindful about where we decide to spend our time. So that said, I really do thank you for deciding to give some of your valuable time and attention over to ScreenSpeak. It really does matter, and I'm very grateful for it. So thank you very much. Now, while you're here, please go ahead and hit the follow button on whatever it is that you're listening to this on. It not only helps to grow the podcast, but it also helps to grow the audience that this thing reaches. So please go ahead and take just one second and hit that follow button. It will really help out tremendously. Now, if you utilize social media, likewise, you can find ScreenSpeak there. Specifically on Instagram and Facebook is where you can connect with not only myself, but also the rest of the ScreenSpeak community. And lastly, and certainly not least... Be sure to look at the descriptions of each episode. That's something that I'm not always the greatest about plugging and and telling people to pay attention to, but really do pay attention to them when these episodes upload. Because aside from them containing all this plug information that I just mentioned, it also contains useful information on the movies that I talk about, uh, the episode's subject matter, references that are made, and ultimately it's providing you ways to be able to follow and or maybe even network with people that have an interest in film like yourself or are maybe in the world of it, working in it professionally or amateurly, and they're you know just connecting with one another. I think that's a really big, important thing. And speaking of that, let me just ramble about this for a moment here, and then we'll continue on with the actual episode, but I think this is worth saying. Connecting with other filmmakers in the filmmaking community is important, especially in my case with people that are in the Iowa filmmaking community. So for my Iowa listeners, I know you'll understand this. It's important that you know that you're not alone in this journey. You're not crazy for having dreams about working in entertainment, and you're not foolish for being a creative yourself and wanting to share and put that side of yourself out there with the world and expecting to be able to make a living out of it. That's not crazy, okay? takes discipline and work for sure, but it's not crazy, especially being in Iowa, because (laughs) let's just be real. Iowa is not California, right? It doesn't have the Hollywood Hills. It doesn't have the Walk of Fame, but this is a place that does have passionate people with voices and stories to tell and share. So that being said, tying this back to the descriptions of the episodes, I really do sincerely want to help connect people to others that have an interest in movies, uh, whether that's just a casual interest or a serious one, with each other. The information is out there, like all this information to connect, it's out there for sure. But many times I think people really have a hard time knowing where exactly to look. So if in some way my podcast, aside from its other goals of connecting people to movies and getting them to talk about it and see how it speaks to them, I'd like to help make this aspect easier for you, the connecting side. So when I can, I'm going to share people's Instagram handles, a film distributor's website maybe, a person's email, anything that I can share about them so that you can learn more about them, the projects they're associated with, and how to get a hold of them to collaborate and do something. That is something I think I can help out sincerely with the descriptions of these episodes. So I'm telling you, take a look at them. And something else too, when I'm plugging these people or films or whatever it is that they're working on, People need to make a livelihood to be able to continue to deliver the content that they're bringing out to you, okay? So 
that means in terms of support, we should try to support them with our wallet when we can, right? Our money. I know it's kind of a big ask sometimes, especially in these trying times, if you will, and with the economy being what it is and inflation, et cetera, et cetera. But if you really can support an aspiring filmmaker or someone that really is passionate and is working on a creative project and they need some capital for it, if you can even lend them a little bit on that, that helps tremendously. Or even if it's just your time or words of direct appreciation. And on that last part there, especially, I'm telling you... I realize we all don't have just money laying around to be able to throw at a person's project. I get that. But it doesn't cost you money to say something kind to somebody, especially as a creative, okay, or or people in the creative space. Even if it's just you found their Instagram and you send them a message saying like, hey, I just watched your movie or I saw something that you worked on and I really liked it and I appreciated what you did and I think you're amazing. Saying that goes a long way because... I think sometimes people, we, we forget, creatives especially, that we thrive off of feedback from the audience. We thrive off of positive words of affirmation. They are honestly sometimes things that help keep us going when we think that nobody is watching what we're doing, nobody is giving a shit about anything that we are putting out there, and that we're just doing this for ourselves. That's not true, because really at the end of the day, for whatever our creative pursuit is, We all have to have an audience to put it out there towards. And if we're not hearing from the audience, honestly, what the hell is the point? Okay. (laughs) All right. So now that you heard all about that and you're thinking about that, I'd like you now to listen to this, which is the main reason why we're here in this episode. This is a great conversation that I recorded at the 2023 Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival with York Rocklitzer, executive producer, and Bern Wittenben actor and executive producer in Michael Ackerman's film Reveille, which was an official selection at the Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. So let me tell you a little bit about this movie before I talk to you about these guys and and what's going to take place in this conversation. So Reveille takes place in late 1943, and it shows an American squad engaging in a skirmish with German soldiers along the winter line in central Italy. Artillery shells begin to rain down, all hell basically is breaking loose, and so the Americans must honor the rules of war and protect their wounded prisoners. And eventually they get huddled together in a cave, and they're made to see the enemy as human. And therefore the soldiers are wrestling with unimaginable moral questions that lie far outside the boundaries of nationality and even allegiance. So this is a movie that was co-produced by Film Farm Iowa, which is located in Wellsburg, Iowa. And all this information, again, is in the description, so you can learn more about them there. Uh, The movie was also supported in partnership with Ellsworth Community College, as well as Marshalltown Community College. And there were also several uh, Iowa college students that were hired on as production assistants to work on this movie. And this is definitely a professional feature. Um, certainly a lower budget one, but it definitely is professional and how it was put together, all the prep that went into it, etc. cetera. Uh, I think the movie itself runs, clocks in at about an hour 44. Uh, so it was definitely one of the longer films at the, the Cedar Rapids Film Festival, uh, but certainly one of the ones that left an impression after I watched it. <clears throat> now, I think I've said this for the other episodes I've posted in regards to this festival, and I have other ones that are coming outside of this one. But I really did love meeting and talking with all the people that I met at the festival. I really, really did. But (laughs) if I'm being truly honest with everybody, I do think that this was one of my favorite conversations that I had at the festival. 
Uh, for one, both of these gentlemen are from Germany, and they're very German. I mean, true Germans, and you know, the accents and everything. So on that alone, I think I was interested. I was interested because my mom's side of the family is actually German, uh, and we have history that goes far back into Germany. And it's just not every day that I get to actually spend time talking to someone that is a native of Germany and understands the country, the culture, and just everything with that. So Germany is a part of me, and getting to speak with someone that has so much history in that country, I found it to be very uh, very much an eye-opening experience for sure. Uh, I found York and Byrne to just overall be fascinating people themselves. Uh, each one of them really has a unique background and a path that led them to being involved with working on movies here in the state of Iowa. And I felt it was really fascinating not only listening to them talk about that journey to get here, but just their overall passion and attention to details when it comes to what I would call the smaller things in movies. Uh, they really have an eye for costumes, especially sound design, the actual practice of acting. Uh, they're both history buffs, so they have a lot to share as far as historical insights into that time period. And I also just really appreciated what they had to say about uh, building trust with actors and the, the crew, the cast and crew, in order to deliver what's captured in the final product. And that last part especially, I think, really stands out to me because, <clears throat> excuse me, it really stands out to me because I think sometimes as audience members, just general audience members, we forget how challenging and difficult it can be for actors to truly bear themselves on screen for the sake of entertainment or just having the audience go through an experience, a shared experience at that. And I think a movie like this requires the uh, many of the actors to go to dark places. And these are places that I imagine are likely not a pleasure cruise to visit. So aside from knowing that, you know, as an actor, that an audience is going to be watching you do this to yourself... Uh, the actors themselves also have to feel comfortable with those around them, being other actors, fellow cast and crew, the people that are lighting and doing the sound, etc. There's a lot of eyes on them, right? And many times these actors barely even know these people at all, or they maybe met them on the day and have to put themselves in that incredibly vulnerable space while still having a respect for everything that's going around them to make sure that the final product delivers. I really think the actors in Reveille do a good job of making the process of putting that emotional vul uh, vulnerability out there, being effortless and being truthful. But I really think it's anything but effortless. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work and subtleties and nuances that go into putting performances like that out there. So all that being said, next time you see somebody have a cry on screen, you know, they, they like they break down, they're expressing uh, an insecurity or a vulnerability, just appreciate for one moment what it took for that person to get there. I know the actors do that work on these things, but I don't know if audiences always think about that. So think about that. All right, last thing I'll say, and then I'll finally let this conversation play out so you can enjoy the rest of the episode, is that if you're looking to learn more about Reveille, you want to learn more about the cast or the crew or uh, the production companies that were involved in the making of this, check out, check out all of that in the description of this episode. It's all there. So with all that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation I have with York and Burnt on the film Reveille. Oh, first, I got to ask you, how do I pronounce the name of this movie? Um, you say it, uh, 
Reveille. Reveille? Reveille. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I definitely did not say it right the first time when I was reading it through the program. <laughs> Um, I appreciate both of you uh, coming on, just taking the time to talk with me about your film. Uh, could you just both introduce yourself for my audience and just let me know your name and what you did on this picture? Mm-hmm. My name is uh, Jörg Rockletzer. I'm one of the executive producers of the film. Well, pleasure, uh, to, pleasure to meet you. <laughs> one of them. So uh, it's, a, it's a team effort. So uh, we had uh, several uh, executive producers. So we had uh, Dr. Myra Miller, we had um, uh, Bernd Wittneben, Mike Burke, and myself. Mm-hmm. And only the, 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 the team effort made that picture actually possible. You need to find a good team that works together on it. Absolutely. Well, welcome. And what's your name, sir? Yeah, my name is Bernd Wittneben, and I'm one of the executive producers, but also one of the lead actors for that movie. Were you the the one that dies first in the cave? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I actually thought that was you, but then I'm like, well, like I don't I don't want to assume too much just yet. But um, that's that's great. I mean, great job acting dead. I actually okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to talk about this, and then we'll we'll get serious. But is it hard being dead on camera? Uh, I believe that it was the hardest part at all to play playing dead. Yeah, doing nothing. That's way harder than any interaction. Mm-hmm. That's really amazing. I did not expect that to happen. But Do you just have to hold part. your breath a long time to yeah. like make it look like you're not moving? Yeah, there's more to it. It's not just the breath and not uh-huh. moving. It's also your eyes and to control your eyes is one of the toughest things I ever experienced in my life. How did you do that? Uh, yeah, just by by setting your mind to it. You're just like, I'm dead. I'm mega dead. (laughs) So it was not easy. That was a tough part, yeah. So tell me just about how this all kind of came together. Mm -hmm. About uh, two years ago, um, so we were contacted by the um, uh, um, director, Michael Ackerman, Mm -hmm. and uh, we were contacted um, with the request of the need for German advisors. So with that, uh, at that time, we thought first, this is real. Because um, a guy from Hollywood is talking to us in here and saying, hey, you want to be advice on a movie? So in my world, I thought, oh, my God, that's a great chance, a good opportunity. Um, you sure. Know, finally, uh, so, so living the American dream, you know, so as, as somebody from Germany coming here. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I, at that time, I couldn't believe it first yet. And uh and it was just uh, an uh, uh, amazing thing. And then, uh, and then I told my best friend Bernd here about this and said, uh, you know, I think we were just asked to be in a helping in a Hollywood movie, you know. <laughs> so and actually, and then he's and then he first said, oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know what's what's this about or what is going on, you know. So actually, and then after we uh, talked with the with the uh, with the director about the script and what this movie is about. We got really interested in that, mm-hmm. and uh, to the point interested that we, that we uh, meant, yeah, that's a neat project to to be part of it because it's so unusual, it's so different, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and then I had to um, uh, leave for Germany as an advisor, and then um, and then Bernd was so kind to um, jump in in that time, and uh, he was offered uh, an advisor and. Um, and this was the interesting thing. The, the director had uh, had drawings of how he envisioned certain characters. Oh, so he had some storyboards? Yep. And, okay. and Bernd fit perfectly that character. So um, so uh, he um, 
did not just look like mm-hmm. Walter Brander. He was really authentic Walter Brander in that. And that was just, just, just uh, astonishing, you know. So, And then it was just uh, a wonderful way uh, how he developed that into that uh, character, you know, being himself mm-hmm. as, but being in, in Italy in that time period, being in that situation of that movie and seeing that developing was an absolutely beautiful thing. Then what happened uh, as a course of movies, you know, many movies in the end, they don't really turn out at all. 80, 80%, they never happen, you yeah. know, so actually. Yeah. So, and there was a leadership change in the movie and we didn't just be an advisor anymore. Now we found ourselves in executive producers in a, in a Hollywood movie. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then so, uh, you know, we really built a very strong team and uh, pushed it forward because, you know, we both were in a race in a way. If you want to do something, if you want something, you need to go and get it. You mm-hmm. know? So actually, you need to be a go-getter for that. Absolutely. And then um, we used, uh, I don't know, maybe we call it a little bit of German engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, <laughs> a little bit, and with with, with also uh, producers and advisors to really get it off the ground and and help to shape that. Well, um, let me ask you both because uh, two questions is one it sounds like just from the beginning you had surprise about even the initial involvement with this. You're like, oh my god, they they want us to actually mm-hmm. take part in a movie. But then, two on the advisory front, what specific aspects of advisory did they seek your specific opinions on? I mean, like, why did they come to you? Aside from just you have amazing German accent. Okay, the the point is they looked for advice regarding the German uniforms and the German behaviors in 1943, and mm-hmm. okay. we do we are history buffs, and they there is a background story to that. Because of that, they knew that we are history buffs. The other one was the language, actually. And Jörg, as well as me, we both are able to basically differentiate between all the German accents. Mm-hmm. And that was that's crucial in order to train an actor uh, who is not native-speaking German. And in the movie, our only two actors who actually are native-speaking Germans. All other German soldiers are Americans. And we trained them to be perfect for the movie and we showed that movie uh, in Germany to people and they were not able to tell us which ones are Americans. Really? (laughs) That far we got with them and there is one very special thing about that training because we use their natural abilities and Jörg, you explained that. Mm -hmm. So what we did, we... um when we were listening to the the actors we casted, Mm -hmm. we were... Uh, looking into and we're listening to them uh, so and, we, and if some one of the actors had a little bit of a German but sounded Bavarian mm-hmm. then we created a biography of this one coming from Bavaria if it sounded more like Czech uh, or Hungarian then mm-hmm. we added that to it so we we used what they brought to the table in the accent mm-hmm. and then intensified that and formed biographies and background stories and wow. and, and things to it so it, it appears really that person could have lived in the Czech Republic, in that town, or somewhere in Bavaria, or somewhere by Berlin, or by Cologne, or in Saxony, and could have been from that area. So we, and when, and we trained them to not just act mm-hmm. to be that, these people are been the people 
in that situation in the, in the 1940s. How, I guess, like, you know, you said you both are history buffs, yeah. right? I mean, when, when does that start? I mean, like, has this just always been a passion of yours, history, specifically around World War II? Um, mine goes back really to school. Uh, my mm-hmm. best grades I had in history class. So really the best grade through was history class. So I really have a connection which goes way back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a German elite unit. I uh, had a lot of free time. I had a training as a machinist before I joined the elite unit. And uh, I started to repair antique toys. Okay. And build replacement parts for them. Yeah, and so from there is really a connection and it goes to 1880 uh, up to 1940. So the period between everything there is where I, my interest was always. Did you have any family that, that served in the military or anything yeah, like that? Uh, that's, that's a very interesting part because our movie is, you have seen it, our movie is mm-hmm. not favoring any kind of, of, of the Americans or the Germans. It mm-hmm. is really neutral there. It also does not bring out the classic things which you expect when Germans are involved in a war movie. You expect Nazi and anything about concentration camps and bad happens there. And you don't mm-hmm. see that in our movie. We don't feed into these things which are bad German history. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we show the soldier. And the, one of the main reasons for me actually to take part of this movie was that Michael Ackermann from the beginning on had the idea he wanted to show the soldier, yeah. not the bad Nazi or not the Jewish killing German. Sure. He just wanted to show a German soldier. And I had actually three grandpas. One died early. My grandmother married again. So because of that, I had have three. Uh, one was a paratrooper, jumped over France, got shot through his foot, recovered, got to France, was uh, to, to Russia, was captured there, got prisoner of war, came back from the war in 1954, was one of the last prisoners of war who came wow. back from Russia. The other one was a field cook, got captured in Stalingrad, was for a very short period prisoner of war, and then he came back. And the third one, actually, and that's very interesting, was a socialist. So he was a political enemy of the Nazis and ended up three times in a concentration camp. Wow. And he just survived because he was a damn good machinist and they needed him for the tank production because he was able to run the machinery. Mm-hmm. That's why he survived. So that's a little bit my background I have there. And because of that, I thought it's very good to have a movie which actually shows just the soldier and doesn't go into the evaluation for the really bad history Germany has, without mm. question. And we don't deny it. It's right. just not, we didn't make a movie about the Holocaust or what bad stuff happened in the concentration camps. Yeah. We made a movie about soldiers which are fighting the war for their homelands. I think it's refreshing on that front, too, because you mentioned that most of the time if you see German World War II, you you talk about those kind of, you know, the checks off the box, the Holocaust, you know, D-Day, Normandy, and the treatment of the Jews and everything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm somebody that you know, not to like go on an anti-war you know, tirade, but you did mention it in your Q and A that there's certainly an anti-war element to the movie. Yes. Um, I I always like think about it from like war from a soldier's perspective because when they're down there, apart from wearing a different colored shirt, mm-hmm. you're essentially doing the same things to each other, and like that doesn't make you like any better on that direct level. Um, so seeing that in the movie was certainly interesting because eventually I actually found, I'm realizing this just now talking about it, 
that the line kind of got blurred between German and Americans. Like, it was, you know, pretty much, like, at, at that point, they're just humans stuck right. in a cave trying to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you been? Have you acted before this project? No, that is very, very interesting. Part. This is your first. That's my first time ever. I had to turn fifty-nine until my dream <laughs> as a child. As a little tyke, I had the dream to act in a movie, mm-hmm. but I had to turn fifty-nine in order to actually step the first time on the movie set, yeah. and then also in front of the camera. Yeah. And what was that like? Like when, like like day one when you're actually stepping in front of it. Uh, let's say it there. When we did this, finally, uh, I were very well prepared. We worked very hard on, on getting ready for it. Yeah, you mentioned a few months prior that there was right. extensive training. The extensive training. You coached me through a lot of things throughout my house. There are cameras set all over so that I got <laughs> used to have cameras around me. Mm-hmm. Today, I have the issue I cannot look into cameras anymore. Really? Because I'm so trained for it not to look in the camera, yeah. So, so that was very in- intense. There's a very interesting story when you're quit coaching me. And I, I, I really like you to tell that because you experienced that even more than I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so our quality standard is, um, that we don't want the actors actually just be acting. We want mm-hmm. them to be themselves. And we found, um, a very unique way to show emotions and how emotions are affecting. Mm-hmm. And what we did was that was an interesting situation. So um, we were training and on the porch and uh, uh, and Bernd was um, um, get into the role of Brander and dying in a cave. Right. And we have cats. So when he was so deep into it, mm-hmm. the cats, there was just a screen between the door and outside. Mm-hmm. The cats would cry and scream and be worried because they were worried he's dying he's dying oh wow and we know these uh, your pets they feel that they yeah, feel the, the vibration mm-hmm. and the emotions of that mm-hmm. so only when he was really deep into it really deep into they would do this oh my gosh we, <laughs> kn- we know we knew actually when he wasn't there yeah, you got the cat radar. Then, then the cat, cat radar, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, so, so there was, so was, these cats were so, uh, so, when he was really deep into it, mm-hmm. then they would cry and be worried and stuff like this. And, uh, and so what we did, we captured that, that momentum of what does it take to do this? What does it do this? And then we went deeper and deeper into the training yeah. to get him very strongly emotional. What and be can, able to call able it to at call the it. moment, yeah, mm-hmm. because that's I think the big part is mm-hmm. for an actor is to call different emotional levels mm-hmm. at the time they are needed. Yeah, lights, camera, action, and that yeah. is, is what what I learned throughout these things. Your practice with me there to first find the source for an emotion. Where can I pull it from? Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm 59. I have seen quite a bit of things throughout my life, right. and so I have to dig into my life and to look for situations where can I call an emo- emotion I need. How, where how, can I, I mean, pull it? If you had to describe that training a little bit, and I'm sure it's difficult to put some of that into words, but is there like a meditative aspect to kind of digging deep in there uh, to find those the, things? The first thing is what you do is basically you mm-hmm. um, have to identify what kind of emotions you need. Okay. So that you write mm-hmm. down. 
And then when you have that down, then you know what you are looking for. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. it is up to every... There's two ways of going. One thing is that you look into your memories and create from there the point where you have an emotion like that and you can pull it from. Mm -hmm. Or if you do not have that, you create for you a memory mm -hmm. by, by just getting imaginative and bring yourself into a position where you have it or you have a certain song or something what is triggering a sure. certain emotional point. For me, it was so I found nearly any emotion I needed throughout my life. So I really went into my life. I looked where did I have experienced something what would give me the emotion I need. Mm -hmm. And then when I had pulled that down, then I wrote that exactly down. And mm -hmm. that helped me when we were on the set mm -hmm. to pull the emotions when I needed them mm -hmm. and to go in. And then, of course, there comes a part that you have to train yourself that you not only know where these are in your memory, yeah. you have to train yourself that you are able to pull them up mm -hmm. and to really deliver yeah. to the spot. And that is, is, is quite intense and there is indeed some kind of, of uh, meditation that goes with it. And there's also, I have to imagine, because obviously there's cameras on you, yeah. you know, you have actors around you and they know what you're doing because they in their own way might be going through a similar thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you find that there's a sort of like a, a unique bond or kind of under an, an unspoken understanding, if you will, of like, we know that we have to do this together? Yeah, the, that's one, one. Let me do that because this is really acting and that was the part I was completely involved. From the first day, Kevin Sinek and Joni, which play both beside me and who both are more professional actors than I was at that point. Yeah, all the performances were great. Yeah, and uh, they both really helped me there was from the first day on a, a bond of trust. Mm -hmm. And the, the important part for an actor is he had, needs to let go from his own control. You have to go into the role. You have to give yourself to the role. Yeah. And you need to let go from your own control mm -hmm. for your own emotions. That has You cannot bring your own emotions at that moment and you have to bring in the emotions which are asked for your role. Yeah. And that you only can do when you are in an environment of trust. Mm -hmm. And there I must really say Kevin Sinnott and then our Polish guy, um, um, Bart Wojtyla, mm -hmm. they both from the first day on took me on their hand and they really helped me to get into it. Without them both, I would not have been able to deliver that performance. That's, that's, I must really say that. No, like that's really wonderful that you can acknowledge that yeah. and, and be self-aware that you don't get there without the help of others. Right. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about a movie like this is mm -hmm. that people can go through a shared experience like that and everybody's just wanting the truth of the moment you know they wanted to be telling on camera and they want audiences to feel what you were feeling in that scene um so i mean i think on that front i mean you absolutely you pun intended but you killed it right? Thank you. <laughs> uh, are you going to be doing any other parts uh, we are not a war movie. We are right now preparing a movie for May. Okay. Uh, that is more entertaining. It's a feel good movie. Oh, so you just might the need opposite. That after this. <laughs> uh, but we are planning another big movie um, for for the summer of twenty four. Okay. And that will include again dying people and and stuff. And it is again based on a true happening. Mm -hmm. And it is not a war movie. It's actually a movie placed in the United States in 1881. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So we are going into the Western time. And it will include Indians mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, a real 
persons which had lived in 8081 and which we have documented and in the same quality like we did really very strong research um one thing i wanted to, to talk about and then i got another question for you as well is i noticed during the q a you you made a specific point to mention the the sound uh the sound design for the movie and how you're using like real uh gunfire and, and things like that and and i think you mentioned the the tragic thing that happened on the set of rust um Could you talk about that a little bit more? I mean, because I, it's just you nice to hear. It's just, it was just nice to hear people talk about that because I feel like sound design sometimes in movies is greatly overlooked. Yeah. Um, so what we made sure um, that our uh, the movie set was absolutely completely safe. Mm -hmm. So with that, our our armors, um, there were uh, highly trained and uh, experienced uh, people with with uh, armory and guns. With that, mm -hmm. um, we always uh, we were joking around a little bit and saying, "Well, if our actors know one thing from the movie, they know how to do a, a safety check on a gun." <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, what we did, we had original guns used in that time period. We had original ammunition from that time period because really? the 1940s bullet. Sounds different than a 1960s bullet. How, I guess how so? I mean, I, I wouldn't know the difference. But different manufacturing, manufacturing different, okay. different powder, different cap, different bullets, different casting, so different material. Uh, it makes a difference. Are you shooting a bullet on top of a hill or in the valley? Yeah. Are you shooting a bullet in a forest or in a desert? That's, yeah. Uh, how far is, a, is an artillery shell away? How does a machine gun sound like when it's a mile away or two miles away or 10 mm -hmm. miles away? It makes a big difference. And it cannot just be an artillery piece. It needs to be an artillery piece from 1940s, not from the 1960s, 70s or 80s. That sounds completely different. Do you think that because of having that level of detail, even in that aspect of the authentic factor of this movie, um, just from performance wise I mean like do you, do people feel that you know they can like oh, yeah. feel it in the yeah. air quite literally you, yes. you might have also recognized our movie is completely free of music we do not I have did notice that, any yeah. music in it we actually let the natural sounds plus the gun sounds tell the story mm -hmm. and we don't produce any kind of emotions for music which you can do yeah? right. we do not do that we let the picture speak for that And that was wanted that way. We really oh, okay. wanted it as true as possible. The idea was to really deliver a picture of the soldier in war, the situation he is in. Because mm -hmm. then somebody who views it can actually imagine what it is to be in a war. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Another question. How did you both find your way to Iowa and this festival? Yeah. Um, so um originally i'm um, so i'm originally from, from east germany mm -hmm. uh, i'm i was born in the former east east zone for, of germany um so by chemnitz leipzig in saxony and uh and before i came here um i worked for the european parliament uh for several years and then um i um uh, so i, I met uh, my, my and then uh, my godfather Budet walters he invited me to come over on a, on a longer vacation to, mm -hmm. to come to iowa And uh, I absolutely loved it here. The cool. people are amazing. They're hardworking. They're easygoing. You can, if you have ideas, if you have visions, you want to do something. Mm -hmm. People here, they say, go for it. Do it. What do you need? Right. Yeah, come they, in. They have just want to help you. Yeah. And have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about it. Yes. You know? And this friendliness and this open-mindedness for, for new ideas, this is, this is perfect and ideal for a creative creativity. Mm -hmm. You know? And that is, uh, and that, 
and then of course uh, wonderful friends you know like my best friend Bernd here and uh, and uh, and also my uh, my colleagues at uh, Ellsworth Community College and at Marshalltown um, you know where it's really a very fruitful uh, environment where you can be creative mm -hmm. you know and that is really uh, what uh, th that I wanted to be here and stayed here because uh, the welcoming way of this area is just astonishing you know that's, I think that's nice to hear. I mean, I, I'm an Iowa native myself, um, but something I can share with you both. So, so I'm married, and my wife, she is from Brazil, mm -hmm. and she immigrated here in February of last year. Mm -hmm. And she had lived in the States before and whatnot, but she does remind me that often, because as a native, you can sometimes overlook certain things in your homeland uh, that you're not really thinking about. Mm -hmm. And she always tells me, you know, like, the Midwest nice thing is true. Um, just kind of like what you said there, everybody's willing to either just have a cup of coffee and just kind of meet somebody and, you know, mm -hmm. let them talk their ideas out and whatnot. And, and I do think that's unique for the space here. So it's nice to hear that from someone that's not originally from here. Mm -hmm. my, my story goes, starts with Bedet, which is one of the producers for Ville. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a very extensive collection of antique, uh, phonographs. And he was looking for somebody who can make replacement parts for this old phonographs, which you cannot buy anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I had mentioned, I had started to build for, for antique toys parts. Yeah. And he found me somehow because I was not online about that. It was in Germany a community. They just knew me and they called me when they needed something. And mm -hmm. then I, I took care of it. So he found me somehow and he contacted me and invited me over. And uh, I came over here and then Cupid hit. You know how that goes. And from there on it developed. And then I came over here started my business what i had in germany before and uh, what was your business in germany uh, before I'm, I'm actually i'm i have a master's degree as a water landscaper mm. and i was building ponds servicing ponds and building ponds okay yeah so that was that and i did started here the same thing and uh, pretty quickly it developed they needed somebody who knows what he's doing i have customers all over iowa mm -hmm. yeah i sold now just this year my my business so i'm now retired yeah so i have time for movies <laughs> no but that's cool though i yeah. mean I, I i i imagine that just through this festival experience i mean hopefully it's been rewarding <laughs> i've seen you guys been talking to people what's that oh, yeah. been like yeah mm -hmm. yeah hmm? What has it been like just talking with the other people that have watched the, your movie? The one thing we learned very quickly, in order to make a movie, uh, what you need is a network. And we had luck, we, we slipped in into a kind of an existing network. But in order for us on our own now to proceed, uh, we, we, we need to extend our network. Sure. And... There is one thing, this, this festival here in Cedar Rapids, it means a lot to Jörg and me. In Germany, there's an expression yes. that says, the artist doesn't count anything in his own city. So and we won this Reveille Awards all over the world, mm -hmm. in the capitals of Europe and, yeah. and, and all. But Cedar Rapids is the first one actually in Iowa where we are now getting our foot down and we got... Yeah screened and that that really that was for me actually living the american dream wow. that our own community and i see iowa as our community mm -hmm. uh, actually is recognizing us yeah so that was was a big deal mm -hmm. and the festival itself helped us here we made so many contacts where we can build on and build on our network and we yeah. believe 
Jörg and I, we are strong believers in teamwork and helping each other in order to get the craft of making movies mm-hmm. uh, ahead. And Iowa has a lot of potential, which a lot of people don't see because yeah. there's often the, the talks about tax deduction in other states. Mm-hmm. What they always forget is that in other states, you need for every single permit, you need for everything, uh, or they know already that you can get tax permits, so the prices for everything you want to do are going up and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you compare at the end of the day, uh, you don't really save by getting go into the states. The only mm-hmm. thing is you go away from home. And you have the opportunity to do here in Iowa movies. It's not easy. Yeah, because movies always depend on money. If you don't of have course. money, you cannot yeah. make movies. <clears throat> and I wish that Iowa, the, the government in Iowa, would recognize that and give there also some kind of, of help mm-hmm. for movie makers here. Yeah, But before I go out of state and do a lot of costs and traveling and away from home and all of that, mm-hmm. I can make movies here in Iowa. I could do more movies or better graded movies. I think that's the right term to say. I could make better graded movies if Iowa would give a little bit help to it. So that's a call in direction politics. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, we need a little bit help from you that we can really start to establish here a high-quality movie. Uh, industry and do you know if yeah. other states are more giving on that front on what you're talking about uh yeah there's a list out there right now i don't know it by, by yeah, just no. calling it up but there's is uh, four or five states which actually give really big mm-hmm. tax incentives for filmmakers yeah it's something i'm actually quite mindful about not just in the in the content creation realm whether it's like podcasts and youtube and whatnot mm-hmm. but like even independent filmmakers or just people striving to make a career yeah. you know know and a any living in film you got to have the money behind it That's you know it and is. you need to have people show up and, and support the stuff and and you know not just pay to see the the franchises that have 10 billion dollars at their yeah. name and whatnot mm-hmm. um so no i think i think you're absolutely right about that and people really need reminders about that sometimes mm-hmm. that the, these people don't just you know show up one day and make a movie you mm-hmm. know <laughs> it takes so much logistics and legwork and people believing in one another to get it done right um so i'm really fortunate to talk with you both and just happy to see that you have found people that are believing enough in you to get you to where you're at right now i think that's really meaningful yeah Mm -hmm. Um, and um, oh yeah sorry and uh uh, would we also see and i think i can say that for Ben probably too i see uh iowa is our home yeah and uh, I mean, yes, it's great to do a movie maybe in south or north or east or west. Mm-hmm. But we're, we live here with our, in, the, in, this, in these communities around here. Do you live here. in C- uh, Cedar Rapids? We live in by Wellsburg. Oh, okay. It's by Iowa yeah. Falls, Wellsburg. Yeah, that's not that area, far. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're living in Iowa. So this is our home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, if, if our ambitious and things moves Iowa forward and it's wonderful people, then um, we have a win, 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 win. You know, so so uh, we can express our art. Um, um, the state of Iowa is becoming a good reputation in the, in the union, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then hopefully we can even motivate more good people to engage in films and make quality things because we have everything here we need. Let me ask you both this, and then we'll start to wind this down, because I know the award ceremony is going to be starting shortly, and I oh, yeah. know you both don't want to miss that. No, that's no, no. <laughs> um, but, but let me ask, if, if you both had to just tell people out there what they could do to support films like this or inspire others to get involved with projects like this, what would you tell them? 
Okay, most movie makers in some form try to do crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing. So if you get aware of a movie which is supposed to be produced in your area, try if you can find a homepage. Usually there's somehow a link where you can give a little bit money to it. Mm -hmm. uh, often is also very helpful just when you are on the set that some people supply things like water or certain kind of food or stuff like that. Sometimes it's the small things which really can help to get a movie on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what would you say? Um, I, I would I would say what's what's very important is actually, um, uh, of course, a, a local support by the by communities mm -hmm. would also be an interesting thing uh, to create um, some sort of uh, fund and, and investment opportunities, maybe some tax incentives as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we uh, we're very lucky. We had some good support with local um, uh, colleges as well. You know, maybe um, so supporting education. Especially mm -hmm. so wonderful people like uh, our friend Dylan, who is here as well, gets gets the support he needs, you know, to uh, choose that career and produce w with us high quality movies, you know. So it's a mix out of um, um, supporting the educational efforts, mm. uh, giving people a chance to uh, lift their vision, you know, so to uh, support with that. I, I think very last thing i have a bad tendency of saying this but when i'm having a good conversation it's it's hard to not keep it going a little bit but mm -hmm. i will absolutely say that um you know pe people just need to you know support stuff like this and i also just think hearing about the educational side that's the point i was trying to get to mm -hmm. um it's an excellent excellent thing that you just said because a lot of people can stand to learn a lot i'm sure by working on a set i know you know i'm the podcast guy right now but i'd love to be a part of something like that too even if it was just to bring you a bottle of water i'm like mm -hmm. hey i'm doing something to help but there's tremendous learning value i think to be had from the business of making movies both in front of the camera and behind it and there's a lot of those traits and skills that will extend beyond that world as well mm -hmm. um so i definitely definitely agree with you guys on that mm -hmm. but um very swear to god last thing where else could people watch this movie if not at the cedar rapids independent film festival um uh, currently um so the movie is with our uh, distributor buffalo eight um, so, so Buffalo 8 is currently in the process of uh, negotiating with streaming services in the future. Okay. So some of the bigger ones, uh, hopefully. So we're thinking about um, um, in the next uh, couple months it should be out, actually, so people can watch it on some of the streaming services. Okay. Well, I'll definitely put as much as I can in the description for this episode so people can find it and share it and you know, kind of just discover it. But this was a real treat, guys. I really appreciate this. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Do you think you're going to win tonight? I don't know how many awards they're giving away, there but i got to put you on the spot a little bit. There's a lot of good movies here, yeah. and uh, they will make the decision, and we will be happy for whoever wins, yeah. Yeah, because yep. there's great exactly movies, yes. and at the end of the day, every one of his has his art. You have pictures from Van Gogh, and you have pictures from other artists, mm -hmm. and there's people that like that picture, there's other people that like that picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's okay, that's good, because that's what art is about. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you just let it come. If he win, we will be very happy. Yeah, if he don't win, we will be very happy for the one who wins it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're all winners right now for having this conversation. So, yeah. all right. Um, one thing would I really appreciate of all the movie makers who came here this this time mm -hmm. is the following: we all have one wonderful things in common. We all finished the projects. <laughs> right. We brought yeah. it to the finishing <laughs> line. We made it, and you know. Uh, you don't just make a movie once, mm -hmm. 
you make it twice, you make it three times, and even more times from creating to making to editing to all of these kind of things. Yeah. And everybody here who came so far finished the project because you have to have the dedication to make it done and finish it. I think you just finished on a high note and we're going to end right there. Okay. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate this.